So this was quite contentious. Mr. Ogden claimed an expensive a bit over $5,000 for secretarial services provided by his seven-year-old son. Now, I have a seven-year-old son, and I don't think he's really got the output where I would pay him $5,000 a year to be my secretary. You're listening to Tax Law with Harrison Dell. Hello and welcome to Tax Law with Harrison Dell from Cadena Legal. We explain true crime of tax evasion in Australia and across the world. This case, not quite tax evasion, but it's a little bit silly. Case called Ogden. And Ogden tried to claim a whole bunch of things, but my personal favorites are the canned cheese that he says he served at business meetings, 39 packets of Monte Carlo biscuits, and a Dora the Explorer pencil case, which he claimed as stationary. Now, just to warn you, this is not as serious as all the other cases. He doesn't end up in jail but he does look like an absolute moron in the AAT. And probably the most interesting fact about this is this guy didn't just do this himself. He had a tax agent that told him that he could do this. This tax agent was pretty notorious and did have an end to his career earlier than he would have liked, partially related to this case. Now, Gary Ogden, not a very interesting dude. He was a professional sales commission agent and he worked from 1994 until when we're looking at this, which is 2011, 2012. And at the time that we're looking at what he was doing, he was a salesman for IBM. And relevant fact later, he had a seven-year-old son. Just keep that in mind. Nothing else particularly noteworthy about him. What is perhaps noteworthy is, is his accountant, David McNeese. And David McNeese actually appeared for Ogden at the AAT in this case. And he was, he was essentially ridiculed. Mr. McNeese was a partner in a few different firms. And in 2019, they finally put a stop to him. And the Tax Practitioners Board actually cancelled his registration as a tax agent in what they called disgraceful. And... The CEO of the Tax Practitioner Board is quoted as saying, his conduct does not accord with the TPB's view of what constitutes a fit and proper person. Not a very nice comment, but I can see where it came from and you will soon too. Let's jump into this case. So this is a 20, 2016 matter in the Administrative Appeals Tribunal, the AAT. Gary Ogden, the taxpayer and his tax agent were going through a tax audit in probably around 2013, 2014, 2015, relatively contentious. In 2011, he claimed $63,000 of work-related expenses on his income of around $209,000. In 2012, he claimed 53,000 of expenses on $143,000 of income. These are substantial deductions for work-related expenses. There are many people who are listening to this podcast who may not have any work-related deductions at all, but most would find themselves in the less than five or 10,000 category, but 63,000? The ATO questioned the legitimacy of several deductions that he claimed. There were many, many different kinds. So this wasn't just a whole lot of bank interests or a whole lot of whatever. This was made up of a lot of stuff and it's clearly very intentional. There is a big list. There's some that are more sexy than others, but all of them are essentially hysterical 
but they do have some basis of truth of this could work, but we're simply too far removed from it. Or it's clearly a private expense, as you'll see in some of these cases. The first one that I want to delve into is one that's the uh, member Frost. So Frost was the presiding member on this case, and he's quite well known as being a, a, a pretty reputable member in the AAT. And he specifically looked at these Monte Carlo biscuits. So Monte Carlo biscuits are bloody tasty. And they've got like the oval shape with the red and white filling, um, you know, in between. And they're quite tasty. So in one year, Mr. Ogden went through 39 packets of Monte Carlo biscuits. This is a work from home salesman. I would have you know. And he said 39 packets. And remember Frost worked it out as being 468 biscuits. And that's just the Monte Carlos. There were also white wing chunkies, wagon wheels, tiny teddies. And at first, Mr. Ogden asserted that the biscuits were provided to clients during business meetings. And that would be a legitimate business expense. Ignoring the fact that he worked from home in this case, and he very rarely had clients. Under questioning, there's a whole lot of these exchanges which are quoted in the, in the, in the judgment. Where... Ogden just basically crumbles. They say it would be quite, you know, that's a, that's a that's a lot of biscuits. How many times would someone come to the house? And he'd say, oh, maybe once a month. And they're looking at it and they can't work it out. They say the only explanation is that maybe you didn't do this. Maybe it's a private expense and you'll just cave. This guy would just cave. The Monte Carlo deduction, unfortunately, was rejected as there was no evidence that it was a valid business expense. And it clearly pointed to the fact that Mr. Ogden probably ate them himself, perhaps with the help of his seven-year-old son. And let's get on to his seven-year-old son. He's got an important part of this story. So this was quite contentious. Mr. Ogden claimed an expensive bit over $5,000 for secretarial services provided by his seven-year-old son. Now, I have a seven-year-old son, and... I don't think he's really got the output where I would pay him $5,000 a year to be my secretary, where I would expect a level of work that's, that's okay for a law firm. So secretarial services entailed what Mr. Ogden said as, I quote, would sometimes run upstairs to the study when the phone was ringing, answered the phone and handed it to me. Now during cross-examination, it, it became pretty apparent that the son wasn't doing an awful lot, really. And the $5,000 payment probably was not an economical arm's length payment. And the tribunal determined that the minimal assistance did not warrant the claim deduction. Now, it's not up to the ATO or the AAT or anybody to tell you what you should pay someone in your business. But what they can tell you is whether an expense that you incurred, in this case, the $5,000 for sec secretarial services, I'm using air quotes there for those um, not watching the video version of this, but that $5,000 for secretarial services, is it connected with him earning income? No, there is not a strong enough nexus to the income that he earned as a salesman for it to be a legitimate business expense. And that's a kind of nice way that, that the AAT said, this is just a crock of shit. It's bullshit. All the claims fell over pretty much. 
there were some residual things that, that the hero was allowed, but quite minimal. Now, of course I am minimising my tax, and if anybody in this country doesn't minimise their tax, they want their heads red. Because as, as a government, I can tell you, you're not spending it that well that we should be donating extra. He also claimed, for example, a whole bunch of batteries. And the batteries he apportioned as being 89% for work use. Yet he couldn't actually say the basis for why the battery usage was 89% work-related, what devices he used them for. Now, again, as a father of a seven-year-old son, there are lots of batteries that you go through for toys. And I suspect that the AAT thought, well, this was probably private in nature. And I don't think they were wrong in that one. In this case, Ogden fell down on, he didn't have any records. He didn't have a basis for calculating 89%. Again, it's bullshit. This one's one of my favorite. Personal stationery. So his, his list of claimed stationery was included, included a whole bunch of things. Number one, a Dora the Explorer pencil case. Now, I would have loved to see a photo of Mr. Gary Ogden going to a client meeting with his Dora the Explorer pencil case. He also claimed some textures, um, a wall chart. I'm not quite clear what this wall chart is, but I suspect because of the grouping of this stuff, it may have been Dora the Explorer related. Also a bunch of heart and star-shaped stickers, crayons, art brushes, paints. And the tribunal didn't have much trouble firmly concluding that they were purchased for his children and not for business purposes. I'm, I, for one, am not surprised, but I do think we'll see a trend in, in people using Dora the Explorer pencil cases as part of their business expenses and keeping very good records if they want to maintain them as a deduction. Another one, he claimed an outdoor patio setting and he claimed 50% of it. And he's reasoning that he would claim 50% of it is that he used it as a work table sometimes. He would go out there and talk with his colleague, David, who would come around sometimes. Um, and again, <laughs> Mr. Ogden just completely caved on the stand and they said, 50%, is that really a fair use? And he eventually admitted that it was ordinarily used for family activities. Um, and certainly was not exclusively dedicated to business activities, definitely not 50%. And the tribunal, the tribunal just came around and said, yeah, have a big fat zero. Now there's a whole another big list, particularly on what he would serve in business meetings was a, a fascinating topic whole bunch of cheese related things so there were apparently three kinds of cheese available to business meetings with mr ogden and i would ever be so lucky to go to one of these meetings he would offer you he would say a slice of bigger cheese if you so wanted um, bigger stringer cheese those these are the ones like you peel the bits of cheese out and like eat them kind of like spaghetti he would have been very popular back in my primary school in the early 2000s and probably the best one, because it's really confused Member Frost, was canned cheese. And he didn't even know canned cheese existed. And <laughs> described it as an aerosol-propelled cheese product that comes out kind of like toothpaste. And if that doesn't make you not like canned cheese, I don't know what will. 
And there's this, there's this exchange, and it's fascinating, where Gary Ogden is, is giving his evidence, and they say, wouldn't it be rather strange to offer canned cheese to a business meeting? This is the ATO's lawyer, Vicky Hammond. And he said, yeah, I guess, I guess it would be a bit strange. Be a little bit strange. And this exchange goes on for quite a while, and he again falls over and says, well, yeah, probably, I probably didn't do that. I probably didn't offer the canned cheese in business meetings. Um, I don't know if I'd feed my child canned cheese. I've had it once. It uh, was particularly gross. Coming back to more, uh, maybe more middle-of-the-road deductions, he claimed his home office. Now, it makes sense. He works from home. He claimed a home office. But that's until you find out that he had a 280 square meter home, two stories, quite large. I think it was in Southwest Sydney. And he claimed 30% of the house was for business use. That included all the council fees, all the land tax, all the whatever stuff he had to pay. Probably not land tax because it was his primary residence. But on a working out of the floor area, his study was only five meters squared, which was about bit under 2% of the entire home. But when he gave his evidence, he gave comprehensive evidence of what was part of the home office, the work from home area. He included all of the storage as floor area that he could claim. Uh, and he said it was for storing documents and policy things and old client data. He couldn't present this data that he'd been storing very diligently throughout his entire house, but he claimed it anyway. And also he claimed the entire living room as being part of his home office. You see, the, the AAT saw photos of it. And it was clearly just a regular living room. It was not a place where you would do business. Just a bizarre thing to think submitting that stuff to the ATO would make them maybe agree with you. But this is really an example of this guy pushing it way too far. And it's kind of a famous case now in tax circles just because you read this stuff and it's just absolutely silly. But it's all got a basis somewhere. The tax agent wasn't so silly to claim absolute nonsense. If he was claiming nonsense, you wouldn't have to think about, oh, a calculator that based on mortgage repayments, X, Y, Z, he would have just put a big number in and be done with it. No, his tax agent, Mr. McNeese, actually thought he could claim these things that there was some nexus to income. Leave me or call me a liar. I am telling you there is no arrangement. And I'm sick of telling people there is no arrangement. No, that is the situation. There is no arrangement. There is no agreement. Another one, he claims some sunglasses and sunscreen. The ATO very kindly allowed about 20% of what he claimed. That was $29 in 2011 and $47 in 2012. And I found this quite funny, but the AAT looked at it and they said, you know what? The AAT let you off the hook there. I'm going to make it zero because that's what it should be. They even said, you know, Mr. Ogden doesn't drive a convertible. He shouldn't have to wear sunscreen, sunglasses and you spend that amount of money. And I also don't know how you spend like hundreds of dollars on sunscreen Unless it's like makeup style sunscreen, which is wildly overpriced from what I understand from my fiance. But yeah, the AAT said, yeah, you get nothing. The AAT, the, 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 sorry, the ATO tried to let him off the hook and say, you can have something. I think that was rather generous of them. 
but the AAT just wasn't having it. And there is this perception with taxpayers that the AAT is a bit more kind and a bit more lenient. And that's certainly not always the case. The last one that I'll mention is a pair of RM Williams boots. Now, there's certain circumstances where you can claim RM Williams boots. So a friend of mine works on a chickpea farm and he has to wear these RM Williams boots because the chickpeas are very acidic and that actually break every 12 months or so. So there's safety gear. You know, you've got to protect yourself from what you're doing. Work boots, farm boots, makes sense. And Mr. Ogden also claimed them for a safety purpose, but the safety purpose was he would wear them to stop himself getting static electric shocks from his carpet when he would walk back to his computer and sit down. And that's dangerous stuff. He clearly needs to spend 300 plus dollars on RM Williams to prevent that from happening. I just, I can't understand how this tax agent in his right mind could lodge this return on this basis. None of it made sense. It's so funny. This is like the funniest case that I bring out at parties. People ask me about what's the funniest case ever. And I go, it's this one. It's this one. This guy's a freaking moron. You made the rules in 1986. I didn't try to sneak around the back door or sneak underneath this. These rules were made in 1986. I read the rules, said, what am I allowed to do? And that's exactly what we've done. So things people can claim but often don't think about is you've got, to, you've got to broaden your mind, not think about what can I claim, but think about what have I done this year? What have I done this year to earn income? Me, for instance, I'm recording this podcast. I've got all sorts of stuff. I've got microphones. I've got these great headphones, which I use for work calls as well. I've got a camera. I've got all sorts of things. And I use those to earn my income, to earn money in my law practice. And if you, th you think broader, you go, what about travel that I did? What about things that I bought? What about events that I attended? What about public transport I used while I was at work to say, head down to a conference, you know, somewhere else in the town? A lot of the value that accountants bring and tax agents bring to individual tax returns is by having that broad knowledge of all these industries and, and what's deductible. And there's a few things that like just definitely are deductible. And this case is a good example of silly ones. There's a whole bunch of regular things that aren't deductible, which I frankly disagree with. One of them, which I only came to hear about um, as I was getting admitted as a lawyer many years ago now, is that your admission as a lawyer is not tax deductible because it's me changing jobs from say a paralegal secretarial type job into a lawyer job. Now all the jobs where I worked, I was essentially a tax consultant, tax lawyer, doing the same stuff anyway, working under a practice. So me paying that expense, you know, it was, I think it was about a thousand dollars. And then you know, I go to this great ceremony, excellent. And I was reading the ATO ruling and they're like, not deductible. It's not related that the expense, the thousand dollars to get admitted as a lawyer isn't related to my current employment as not a lawyer. It's me ascending to put on the cloak of being a lawyer. I've ascended. I'm now a professional. And that applies to a lot of professional admittance fees. And I've always hated that. Another one that's weirdly not deductible is judges' wigs. 
So a judge's wig and robes are not deductible because they're capital in nature. So you have to depreciate them over their effective life, which is quite funny, I found, because they're very expensive, very expensive. And there's these very specific things. So the general rule that if you listen this far and you hear these ridiculous things, the general rule is there needs to be a connection between your income and the expense to claim the deduction. It also needs to be not capital in nature. So not buying, you know, a thing. So say you're buying a computer, it's not deductible under the general rule. It's instead depreci depreciable under the depreciation regime, which is wholly separate. And it also can't be private or domestic in nature. And that's where people get tripped up. So many years ago, I worked at a cinema. And in, in the cinema, we had a uniform shirt and laundering that, cleaning that, buying that was tax deductible. That was fun. But it was just regular pants and shoes that we wore as well. These were not part of a registered uniform. Therefore, because they are ordinary clothes, they are not tax deductible. And these have been through the courts at one point or the other. There was another case, I forget the name, it escapes me now, but it was about a footy player. And this footy player had to do a lot of personal training, had to do a lot of eating to get to size so he could play professional NRL, I believe it was. And all of those additional expenses, it was like eat two kilos of steak a day. And in current prices, that's about $80 a day, unless you're buying terrible steak. And he tried to claim that, went to court and everything, and he lost. It was private and domestic in nature. It's very hard to claim things like food unless you've got overtime meal allowances. So it reminds me of a deduction we didn't talk about with Mr. Ogden is as a salesman, he'd travel around a bit, had some car expenses, that's fine. But he would like to claim the odd overtime meal allowance. And these rules are surprisingly complicated, but he would say, hey, I'm traveling for work. I had to buy food because I didn't have amenities near me. It's deductible. As a general rule, that's fine. On more than one occasion, he would get home from work at say six, seven o'clock at night, you know, from traveling. And he would walk up the road to the St. George's Leagues Club and buy himself a dinner. And it's pretty obvious when they looked at the receipts and go, well, hey, you said you were traveling. Um, tell us about these overtime meals. And he said, well, yeah, this one I was, you know, I was still on the clock. I had to, you know, eat some food and, and go home. And they said, is it, is it true, Mr. Ogden, that the St. George's Leagues Club is five minutes up the road? And he said, yes, it's essentially across the road from my house. Showing that that expense, it was not incurred because of a work purpose. It was not incurred because of the travel. It was a, it was a personal choice. It was private or it was domestic in nature. Another case that people would like, and I think people miss, is this home to work travel thing. Mr. Ogden would have traveled to many different client sites, including the IBM offices, which he worked for in this time. Um, he was only there very rarely, but he would travel to client sites quite a bit. That travel would be deductible. He's an itinerant worker, most likely. If you're a tradie or in construction or something like that, and you travel to different work sites, you may also be an itinerant worker. But what happens when your place of business is your home and then you travel somewhere else to another place of business? That first travel is not deductible in some cases. And there's a case, it was a guy, he was a pilot 
And he also had a deer farm. And he would run his deer farm. And he would travel from his deer farm to the airport. It was like an hour drive. So he could then fly some planes. Land the planes. Get in his car. Drive home. And the whole thing was about, well, hey, work, travel from one workplace to another workplace is deductible. However, when that first workplace is your home, it's home to work travel. It's not workplace to workplace travel. So if you go from the home office or the home business to the work office, the work business, the client side, that's not deductible if you're starting from home. That's what that case told us. I'll be able to find that case. If someone really wants to know it, send me an email and I'll find it for you. But Mr. Ogden lost massively on all fronts. And the ATO, I think, was quite lenient in the penalties. They applied a 25% penalty. And how the penalty regime works is that there's four levels of penalties. There's you took reasonable care, but you're just wrong. 0% penalty. This is a percentage of how much additional amount of the shortfall of tax that you need to pay. So say you didn't pay $100,000 of tax and the penalty was 25% for lack of reasonable care, then you'd pay an extra $25,000. So that first level, lack of reasonable care. So you, sh- you, you should have known better. You may have got some advice. It was wrong, whatever. That's what the ATO applied to Ogden. And that kind of baffles my mind because these higher tiers make a lot more sense in my mind recklessness is the next level which is 50 percent. that means you didn't take reasonable care but it was so not reasonable that it was reckless which is a higher level similar to negligence so takeaways from the Ogden case there is something in this case for everyone and i think the first takeaway is just because you've got a receipt doesn't mean you can claim it as an expense You need to go back and think, what's the connection with that expense to my income? And then if there is a connection, even a loose one, you have to say, is it capital in nature? Should I depreciate it instead? Or is it private and domestic and I can't deduct it at all? The next takeaway is you can't fully trust a tax professional with your affairs. And this is advice I tell my clients. You cannot go to an accountant or a tax lawyer or anybody as a professional and say, you take care of it. If you do that and you don't understand your own affairs and what you're lodging and your liabilities, it will come back to bite you. That's the same advice I give to people looking for financial planners is you can't just give them 10 million bucks and say, make me some money because every time I've seen that happening, things go wrong. You've got to stay involved. You've got to monitor it because this is your money. This is your tax return. This is your professional services. You can't just give it to a professional and trust that they're going to do the right thing. You need to also have your thinking caps on. And the last one is maybe an unintuitive one from this case, but you shouldn't shy away from claiming deductions that you are entitled to. And I disagree with a lot of the ATO activities, which are nudge letters and the little flashing warnings that pop up on my cuff when it says, hey, your expenses are too high. There were a number of years when I was paying for my master's degree out of pocket and my, my education expenses were huge, you know, $10,000. And it can be warning, warning, you know, you sure about this, sure about this. Yes, I, I was sure about it and I knew what I was doing. 
But a lot of people will put in legitimate deductions, they'll get an ATO warning and they'll reduce it. And I don't think that is an appropriate way to administer the tax system. But on the other side, the population of taxpayers in Australia who take the piss the most, they are you and me. They are the individuals. It's not Facebook, it's not Google. They've been clamped down on for the past decade. Now the focus is firmly on individuals. That's where the tax gap is. The actual figure is, I think six or $7 billion that is missing that individuals are not paying. Whereas the large corporate gap is about one to $2 billion. And the individuals that are claiming you know, laundry expenses when they don't have a uniform, it's quite easy for the ATO to pick up. On one side, be careful with your deductions. But on the other side, if you can claim it, don't shy away from it. Don't give away your money for free to the government. That's the whole reason for my job as a tax lawyer. So thanks for sticking with me with my rant on this case. This is episode four of Tax Law. If you want more, please check out our website for articles, which is www.cadenalegal.com.au. Not only that, but you can follow me on TikTok for more edgy tax content. We plan on launching new episodes every week, so stay tuned and make sure you follow us. Thanks.